Can we please talk about UFC Vegas 31, I think it was, at the weekend? Islam Makashev taking on uh, Thiago Moises. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to run through uh, the bets that I made last week. They were not good. They were terrible as advertised. So that, you know, this is going to be a fun one because I'm about to eat all kinds of humble pie over here. Uh, yeah, so... I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be running through little bits of uh, UFC news in a not-too-serious way. We'll have a laugh along the way. We'll have a look at the my favourite memes and trolls of the week because that's always just one of my favourite things to do. So let's get started. We had Rodolfo Vieira taking on Dustin Stoltzfus at um, middleweight. And uh, this one is the only bet that I got right. So let's start with our best foot forward, my best bet forward, which was Rodolfo Vieira. By submission, because I said this guy, look at the size of him. He has got a squeeze and a half on him. And I wasn't wrong because, man, that was a that was a nasty squeeze. He literally, I mean, he, he got his back and sub, like kind of submits him on the way down. He was tapping. Uh, he got him a, in, a, in a rear naked choke whilst they were standing. And the dude was tapping like as he was on the way down because, I mean, that squeeze was, whoo, that was tight. That was good. Uh, Rodolfo Vieira's stand-up actually looked remarkably better than last time out. He looked uh, crisper. Uh, he looked... A little bit more tentative, in my opinion, because uh, I think it's because he ran out of gas against, uh, I think it was Alexander Hernandez he got guillotined by. I uh, could be wrong there, but feel free to let me know if I am. Uh, I might have got that one wrong, but either way. Uh, next fight for Vieira, I think it needs to be a higher-ranked guy, but he's probably not ready for a top 20 yet. I noticed that Eric Anders is hovering around uh, rank 25, and he needs a fight. I, I'm a big fan of Eric Anders as well, and I think that stylistically that could be a pretty fun matchup. Eric Anders is, is a pretty good wrestler, but also a pretty good Standing and they and yeah, that could be a good uh, matchup to maybe move both of them, like potentially one of the the winner, whoever it may be in that matchup, closer to uh, a top 15 or possibly even top 10 opponent. So then we had Jeremy Stevens versus uh, Matthias Gamrot. Wow. Okay, uh, Jeremy, you just decided to make my bet extra terrible, didn't you? By never even looking like you were in that fight. Uh, fair play to Gamrot. He looked really good. I mean. He's a new player in town, isn't he? Really, he's he's strung he's strung together a few wins in a row, and you know what? He made Jeremy Stevens look, I mean, bang average. I mean, lately, you know, Jeremy Stevens has just been bang average. To be fair, I mean, Jeremy Stevens is calling out Conor McGregor. I don't hate that call out actually. To be fair, I mean, they're both on losing streaks. Uh, they've both got that history with the who the fuck is that guy business. You know what I mean? That could actually be the one to make because if McGregor loses that one, then he's gone for good. And, you know, Jeremy Stevens, honestly, he's probably already Bellator bound. Uh, so Gamrot, but let's look at who, what's next for the winners. Gamrot, uh, realistically, it's going to be one of three names. It's either going to be Demir Ismagulov, uh, Armin Tarakyan. Sarakian? Sarakian. Armin Sarakian, or much easier to say, Brad Riddle. Um, they're all hovering at 16, 15, and 14 in the rankings, respectively. All three of them are on three-fight win streaks. So I think a fight with any of those guys would make sense for Gamrot, and uh, the winner of which would then move on to a top 10 opponent. So then we had the return of Misha Cupcake Tate, and I was not convinced... I was not convinced. And you know what? I am going to fill my mouth with humble cupcake pie because Misha Tate looked 
sensational. She really did. I would, however, point out that I did, uh, like, spoiler alert, the reason that my bets are terrible is because sometimes I just, I don't do my due diligence. And I did not on this occasion. I hold my hands up. I did not do my due diligence on Renial. I just literally kind of looked at uh, her record and looked at who she'd been fighting. I did not know that she was already saying this was going to be her last fight, right? She had already mentally retired. I would have never bet on her if I'd have known that because if uh, that never, that seldom goes well for fighters. That... If you're saying it's going to be your last fight, the only time I can think of that that has gone well is if you're fighting Diego Sanchez. Do you know what I mean? Because it's a gimme. Like Matt Brown. Matt Brown, he said that was going to be his last fight, but he, he, he felt so good he kept on going afterwards. But it was hilarious because in the interviews before that fight, he actually they said, oh, so why did you want Diego Sanchez to be your, la your last opponent? He said, well, because I want to go out on a win. <laughs> That is some top level trolling. For, that's why I love Matt Brown. He, he's a real ass dude. Like, he just, you know, look, realistically, I want to go out on a win. So I picked Diego Sanchez. It was, uh, yeah, so if I'd have known that Renal was already retired, I probably wouldn't have placed that bet. And I sure as hell wouldn't have pushed it so heavily as well. But yeah, you know, that, that's just me all over. I'm constantly having to eat humble pie or humble cupcake in this instance. So um, yeah, you know, look, Tate looked really good, but let's just slow our roll again a second because Misha Tate looked fantastic, but she looked fantastic against a woman who was pushing 50 and had already retired. Okay, and also I didn't realise how much bigger Tate was than Renal. Like she's considerably bigger. Like I didn't watch the weigh-ins, so I didn't see that. But and I should have done. I should always watch the weigh-ins, really. But I mean, man, Misha Tate looked gigantic in comparison. So like all those things. Like, but fair play to Misha Tate. She also did it coming off of a five-year layoff. Like coming off of two back-to-back -back losses and a five-year layoff. You know, fair play, Misha Tate. What a great result. Couldn't ask for better. She got the finish. She looked excellent throughout. Do you know what I mean? So, really, we've got to look at what's next for Misha Tate. Now, Misha Tate, uh, she called out Holly Holm, and that is the match that needs to happen. Uh, I have had, you know, comments saying, that why the fuck is that the fight that needs to happen? But... I'll tell you why. Because it makes sense for both fighters, right? Because I understand, okay, you know, Misha Tate, she's got a win over Holly Holm. Because actually one of the comments said, why the fuck would that make sense? Holly Holm would destroy Misha Tate. So, okay, but Misha Tate won the last time. The last time these two fought, they fought before and Misha Tate won by submission. She won by finish, okay? Now, I would add to that, slight caveat, she was snatching victory from the jaws of defeat, but she still did it. You know, Holly Holm was winning that whole fight. She was beating the brakes off her. Misha Tate still won. So you can't sit there and tell me, in all honesty, that, oh, no, Holly Holm would definitely wreck Misha Tate. That's not a foregone conclusion. Misha Tate won last time. So how can, how can you possibly say that? That doesn't make any sense, right? And the reason that this fight needs to happen is because it makes sense for both of them. As I said, because, look, Holly Holm, she wants to get that one back. And realistically, she thinks that it's a fight that she can get back. And also, I think she can probably get that one back. My money would go on Holly Holm because I do think that, despite what I just said, I think that, honestly, no, Holly Holm would probably win the rematch. But 
you know, going by my picks at the moment, uh, that's almost a guaranteed win for Misha Tate. But Misha Tate also wants to prove that the first one wasn't a fluke. You see, so they both get something about it. And let's be honest, they're two of the biggest names in that division. That could headline a fight night, no problem. They'd have no problem doing that. And then the winner would have to go on for a title shot, in my opinion, because that division is just not deep enough to keep those two big names, whichever one wins that fight, the, that division is not deep enough to keep one of those two names from a title shot. And it's Misha Tate's quickest route to the title, which is what she wants, because she wants to make a run at the title. Same for Holly Holm. That is why that fight makes sense, in a nutshell. I hope that clarifies it. Anyway... Moving on to the main event, we had Islam Mahachev against Thiago Moises. And um, yeah, this one was kind of a foregone... This one was a foregone conclusion because good lord... I mean, Mahachev, he looked good, but good god, he also looked big. I mean, he is another one of these guys that cuts a crazy amount of weight. He has a real problem with that weight. Well, no, to be fair, he doesn't because he's always made that weight, right? But it's just his weight cut never looks pretty. I know weight cuts don't look pretty, but he's just another one that... Honestly, I've seen a lot of articles where, you know, the weight cuts, you know, really, really quite a struggle for him. And you can see why. He is gigantic. He looked a full weight class bigger than Thiago Moises, right? So I do. I see him missing weight at some point. He, he looked... He looked so big, but he's another one. Like, Khabib did a similar thing. Because people forget that, look, Khabib, he wasn't really a lightweight. He was so thick and strong for that weight class. And that, coupled with his style, meant that he was this just this unstoppable force. No one could stop him because he's cutting down a ridiculous amount of weight. He missed weight on several occasions, I might add. Don't, don't forget that. Like, people say, oh, but he always no, made weight. And he was in... It's like, yeah... But he missed on more than one occasion. Had to go to hospital a couple of times. Fights were called off. Joey, do you not remember any of that? I do. Joey, Khabib wasn't really a lightweight. He was a welterweight, a small to mid-sized welterweight that decided to cut down on division so that he could dominate people that were smaller than him. That And that's what happened. Fair play to him. He was bloody good at doing it too. I don't hate on it. I don't hate it because look, at the end of the day, by hook or by crook, he made that weight when he needed to. He made that weight when it counted and he got, and he's got the titles and accolades to, to show for it. And it's and it's, it's probably going to be the same thing with with Islam Makhachev. No, he's probably going to... He's five foot ten, which is quite tall for that division. You've got like... So, and the thing is, it's like... He, looked, he was never losing against Moises, right? Moises, like, you looked at them, it's like, good lord, look at the size of that dude compared to Moises. Like, Moises looked like an actual lightweight, whereas Makachev, he looked like a welterweight. And, and it showed in the performance as well. Uh, Makachev looked fantastic. He looked great in every single area. And uh, I would like to see him fight somebody who's higher up in the rankings now. I mean, they've already pushed him up to rank five, which I don't think is really reflective of who he's fought. I don't think that he should be that. Based on who he's fought, he shouldn't be ranked number five. I just, I don't see it. But what they've done is they've taken into account his win streak and the fact that he's so dominant and his skill level and the fact that Khabib supports him and the fact that he's got a hype behind him. That is why he's ranked five. Those five reasons, that's why he's ranked number five. Okay? And it's not based on who he's beaten because he's not beaten anybody in the top ten. I don't think. Was Moise's top ten? Let me know in the comments, what's Moises' top 10? Because otherwise, I don't think he's beating anyone top 10. But 
He definitely has to now. Looking at possible opponents, Gregor Gillespie, that could be an interesting fight. Gregor Gillespie is a stud wrestler, but you know what? He's too small for Makachev. Makachev would murder him because like, because Gregor Gillespie, he's, he's an actual lightweight. He's like five foot seven. He's got, he's a smaller frame. He's a stud wrestler, but he is way too small for his own Makachev. Um, maybe Chandler. Chandler, Chandler's probably a good fight for Makachev because because Chandler he's strong he's got really good knockout power he's got great wrestling himself and he's quite a chunky quite a well built lightweight he cuts down from quite a high weight himself I think but I mean Makachev is still going to be the bigger guy in that fight make no mistake he's he's likely going to be the bigger guy in every fight at lightweight in all honesty he stands at like 510 and he's just got a very good stature to him and you know what if he can keep making that weight no matter how much it sucks for him then he's gonna get titles isn't he do you know what i mean and and the uh, khabib has shown people how to do that if you cut down enough weight and you can be bigger and you have that grappling heavy style then you're gonna be very difficult to beat and no fair enough you know if, if that if that's a, it's a valid a strategy as anything else, isn't it? It stays within the rules. And you know, as long as you make that weight on fight night, crack on. Crack on, I say. So then, let's have a look at the news. One thing that you can't have avoided, obviously, uh, you know, Dustin versus Connor is already in the books. Jake Paul has sent Connor the sleepy Connor chain. Fucking brilliant. I actually, I actually fucking love this, right? Because it's actually really nice. You see, because uh, Dustin actually, he says that he's auctioned it off. Uh, what a great, I think he should have kept it because Michael Bisping alluded to this on the Believe You Me podcast, which I listen to every week. And I think that he, Michael Bisping is absolutely right. I think that it's like just what, what a great memento. Of, of, a, of a fight, do you know what I mean? It just, he could have kept that forever. If it was me, I'd have kept it, but I get it. Dustin's a charity man. He loves the, the Good Fight Foundation and he's auctioned it off for money for, for that, for, for a great cause. Fair play to Dustin. He's looking like a real sweetheart of a guy now, isn't he? And you know what? I hate to admit it, but I'm starting to like Jake Paul. You know, it, it just, you know, the, the note itself is just, it's a lovely note, isn't it, Joey? You know, it's just like, hey, look, you fully deserve this. You know, it's just, it just seems nice. And, and to, you know what? I love a good troll job. And somebody who's got enough money to do a $100,000 troll job, I am all in favour of that. I absolutely love it. When I saw the necklace, I was like, you know what? I really like that. I think I think that's pretty good because the thing is, at the end of the day, like Jake Paul, he's try he was trying to be the bad guy. He he always is. Like it, it, it's a persona. We're all if if you hate Jake Paul, you're kind of a mark because you're buying in to what he's doing. But you know what? This this gesture here, kind of making me like him, kind of making me not hate Jake Paul, and. That goes back to what I was saying last week. I was saying that Dustin Poirier, he, he looked like a really nice guy compared to McGregor, but you could have put fucking Jeffrey Dahmer in there against McGregor and he'd have looked like a likeable guy in comparison to all the nonsense that McGregor was doing. Some of that vile stuff that he was talking about on the, well, when he had his broken leg, you know, getting in my DMs and fucking killing him in their sleep, all that kind of shit. Turns out, if you put Jake Paul next to Conor McGregor, makes Jake Paul a likeable guy as well, because I'm actually starting to like the dude. So speaking of Jake Paul, Jake Paul and Tyrone Woodley, obviously they are going to be boxing fairly soon. They put an extra little bet on the line. So they basically bet that um, whoever wins 
or whoever loses, sorry, has to get a tattoo. Say, say Tyrone Woodley loses, he's going to have to get I love Jake Paul tattooed on him. Vice versa, right? I actually like that. I think it's quite funny. Because Tyrone Woodley, he, he's not winning these press conferences because he's just coming off as... He needs to find some confidence. Like, I think that Tyrone Woodley will win this boxing match. I do. I, I just think that Tyrone Woodley, he's a real... He's been... He is a massive step up in competition for Jake Paul. Now, I'm not saying that Jake Paul can't. Look, at the end of the day, Jake Paul, he, all he's doing is getting better and better. Every day, every day he's getting better. And you know what? I would not be surprised to see Jake Paul knock Tyrone Woodley out because Tyrone Woodley has been knocked out a few times and he was not on... He didn't leave on a winning record, did he? He lost on like a five, four or five fight skid, right? The guy is in his 40s now. There are, there are avenues for Jake Paul to win this fight. I personally think that Woodley will win, but... I don't know if Woodley thinks he'll win because where's the confidence? Because the thing is, I don't know how much he needs the money, but like Jake Paul offered him the double or nothing bet. He said, look, I will double your purse or if you lose, you get nothing. You want to take that bet? And he was like, no, I'm not doing that. It's like because he needs the money. But if he was ultimately confident in being able to beat Jake Paul, then he'd have taken that bet. What do you think? What do you think? Let me know in the comments. Do you think... That, Jay, that, if, that if Woodley was truly confident, he'd have taken that bet. Or am I barking up the wrong tree? I might, I might have got it completely wrong. Maybe it's just, look, the smartest financial decision is obviously not to take that bet, to get your guaranteed payday. I understand that. But there needs to be some confidence there. And it's like he wasn't even really like confident about taking that bet either. Like the, the tattoo bet. He really looked kind of reluctant. So, yeah. You know what? It'll be, it's, I, I'm interested in this one. I'll probably watch it. I'll probably watch it. Uh, Conor McGregor apparently has an unbreakable shin now. So he said, uh, he said that no, now he's got his titanium rod in his leg. The doctor told him that his shin is unbreakable. I'm no doctor, but I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. Uh, I think that Conor's just kind of trying to tell himself that. I mean, he has to tell himself that. Like, at the, at the end of the day, Connor has to tell himself that it was a fluke, that Dustin can't beat him really, that it didn't really happen, that he was winning that round. I've heard him say that. He, he, th he thinks he was winning that round. More worryingly, Connor's coach said that he thought he was winning that round. He said, I thought that round was going fantastic. You're crazy. And Dustin's manager has picked up on this and said that John Kavanagh is batshit out of his fucking mind if he thinks that round was going fantastic for Conor McGregor. I'm sorry, but the, the problem is, is that like, Conor was like talking all this nonsense in his Instagram video saying that, that that's why he was trained, like because he hurt his ankles, he was training off of his back a lot. That's why he was learning how to land those nasty strikes and all those up kicks and just and fight and strike off the back. No, I think that's probably because you were getting dominated in training. I think possibly that's what was going on. If you were on your back all the time in training and sparring, then that means that you were getting put onto your back constantly, right? But the problem is, I bet people were telling you, no, great, no, Connor, you're the champ. You're great, though. Like, that's great. That's what you want to do. You should be doing that. I think he's surrounded with a bunch of yes men at this point, and I don't think that that is the best thing for him. I think he possibly needs to change things up. If he wants to come back and get a win, I think he needs to put some staff in place that are going to tell him when he's training shit, when he's not training right, when he's doing things wrong. He needs that, because otherwise he's just going to come out and he's going to get his ass kicked again. That's going to happen. So anyway... 
Costa has put down the wine bottle for long enough to actually start thinking about fighting in the UFC again. And uh, he's pushing for a fight with Marvin Vittori. And you know what? I actually kind of like that fight. I quite like that fight for Vittori. And honestly, I don't mind it for Costa. But... I would lean towards Vittori in that fight because I honestly think that Costa was overrated before he fought Adesanya. The biggest name he'd really beaten impressively before then was Johnny Hendricks. He went uh, he went the distance with Yoel Romero and honestly that fight was close. That could have gone either way, like that, that judges. But he did beat Yoel Romero, so fair play to that. But other than that, who had he beaten? Who? point to him like Johnny Hendricks are you kidding me right and then he goes in against Adesanya and he looked fucking shit do you know what I mean so the end of the day one thing that I see in Vittori that I don't see in Costa is a need to win. Like, Vittori, he often needs to win. I mean, he didn't look that good against Adesanya, but a lot of people don't. But other than that, like, you see a kind of real desire to win in Vittori. And I just don't see that in Costa quite a lot. So, you know what? It's a winnable fight for both of them. I think it would be a pretty good one as well. But Michael Bisping had a really good idea, actually, on the BYM podcast. It's why he appears on the graphics there. Mr. Luke Rockhold has inserted himself into the conversation he wants to have a fight and um, yeah you know what Marvin Vittori would be a great fight for Luke Rockhold I think that's a winnable fight for both of them really and you know what it's a huge name to put in the feather of, of Vittori's cap if he gets the win is and you know Luke Rockhold if he comes back and beats the last guy who fought for the title all of a sudden he is making an argument for him to be back in the title picture that's the perfect matchup get Michael Bisping on bloody matchmaking duties guys do you know what I mean start paying him some real wedge and make him the new matchmaker because honestly that is absolutely inspired uh yeah brilliant stuff so then let's move on to the troll of the week we have got some good ones in here let me just have a quick look see if i can find them as you can see i am as prepared as ever you know what i mean spared no expense getting prepared for this one so this one is uh, Brendan Sharp on Sean O'Malley. He's done this quite a few times. So this is just, I know, it's hilarious. Um, credit uh, Left Hook Club for this. It's a, it's a funny meme and it really brought me a lot of enjoyment. So it's like, dude, I hate Sean O'Malley. He's so overrated. Only ever fights cans. And then Rogan says he's actually super talented and is, at, is an insanely high-level striker. And then the next thing you see is Sharp has got the rainbow hair like Sean O'Malley. It's like, dude, he's the best. Undefeated for sure. The Cheeto fight was a fluke. 14 and 0. I've always said that. <laughs> Because the thing is, I've seen Sharp. I don't be wrong. I really like Brendan Sharp. I think I think his his shows are fantastic. I do listen to him. I've been to see him live. He was brilliant. Like he was really good fun. But he has flip flopped on quite a few fighters. I believe he used to call Francis Ngannou Czech Congo with braids. And I'll quote him on that. You know I mean? I'm sure. Like I'm sure that that's another meme that's flying around somewhere. It's like Francis Ngannou is just Czech Congo with braids. It's like, huh? Okay. Yeah. You know. It's, not really, though, is he? But yeah, oh, that's it. That was that was a fun one. Then next, right? Next up, obviously, uh, we've got Dana White. Uh, he, he announced uh, last week. I think it's going to be. I can't remember which event it is, but it's got, it, it's a five rounder. 
Lawler versus Diaz 2. They first fought in like 2004. So then you've got me watching Lawler versus Diaz 1. And it's I think that that is a picture of Dana White from 2004, back when he looked like a used car salesman. And then you've got me watching Lawler versus Diaz 2, where you've got Dana White there as he is today, looking like a cast member in Fast and Furious. I, just, I love how much he's changed over the years. It's brilliant. Like it's, it's, it, He looks like a different guy. Is that a different guy? I don't know. Um, either way, the, yeah, that, that, that one made me giggle. Uh, then next up, we have got Gaethje getting rejected online. Uh, yeah, this is this is really funny. Well, I it, I have seen this before. I don't think I've featured it on the show though. So um, yeah, this girl's like, why can't I find a guy like this? Oh, and it's a picture of Gaethje just like in the cage, all getting ready to go. Uh, credit MMA streams for this one. And then you've got um, Justin Gaethje go just literally responds to her saying, "Hey," and she's like, "No." He's like, uh, I'm literally the guy in this picture. Do you know, it's just because he's got glasses on in his profile picture. It's like, yeah, um, yeah, girl, you, you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Do you know, literally got this pic. I, I don't know if it's real. I doubt it. But I kind of I kind of hope it's real. And then we've got, as I mentioned earlier, uh, is Jeremy Stevens lost his fifth fight in a, in a row last week. And then you've got Scott Coker. He is hiding around the tree. He's rubbing his hands when Jeremy Stevens loses five in a row. He's just found the next ex-UFC fighter to come on to his roster, hasn't he, hey? Oh, that is brilliant, but yeah. So that's all I've got time for this week. It's been a fun one. I'm going to be placing some bets. Uh, it's going to be TJ Dillashaw against Sandhagen uh, at the fight night this week. I don't know who to pick in that one. Uh, whoever I pick, the other will win, probably. Um, yeah, that, sh that should be a decent night of fights, actually. I'll be placing those picks uh, on Friday. Uh, if you're on the Patreon, you'll get them on Friday. Uh, everyone else, you can get those picks on the Saturday. And uh, all my social media handles are all there. Uh, I'd just like to thank you for your support. If you enjoy the content, please like and subscribe and share. Sharing, that's really important. That'll help me out massively because you know, it's, it's more views I get, the, better, the more I can grow this. I enjoy talking to the void anyway, and I hope that you enjoy it too. But until next time, keep all those odds long and those bets terrible.